next Tuesday, next Tuesday, <laughs> it's been a long, 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 long time. And I understand, uh, you know, I, I'd much rather have been uh, falling on the side of safety uh, for you, looking out for you, looking out for your safety. I'm excited about that, but I'm also excited about having the opportunity to come back. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing you. Guess what? There's going to be lunch after service. I know some of you haven't forgotten your routine. You won't even hear the last worship praise song because you're going to be out the door headed to lunch, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We're looking forward to seeing you, having you excited about that opportunity. Today, I wanted to bring to an end this particular series called The Church is a Change Agent. And I wanted to make sure that we kind of cleared it out. Last week, we talked about some things, but this week, we want to talk about being servants. How many of us know that biblically, being servants is the same as being a slave? See, because as a servant to Christ, we give him all of our will, all of our strength, all of our mind. We give that all away. When you give that away, you have nothing left. So when it comes to you making decisions in spiritual matters, we don't. He does. But since we are surrendered to him, since we are servants to him, then whatever he wills and desires is what we do. Now, Jesus, as always, God always, they would not let us practice something that they already didn't emulate. They've already laid it out for us. Jesus is becoming an incredible example of what we're supposed to be as servants. He did it. He came here and showed us exactly how it should be done. So we want to kind of touch on those things today and close this particular series out. So are you ready to have some fun? Praise the Lord. You know, it's going to be kind of odd to see a whole bunch of people in here. Come on. Now, listen, uh, last time we were here, there was 320 of you. You better be, all of you better be back next Tuesday, all 320 of you. But listen to this. It says servants. This is part five. It says servants. Our mission as servants is exemplified by how Christ lived out his life as a servant. A servant, kind of a definition says, submit our will to the will of God for the benefit of others. One more time. Submit our will to the will of God. For the benefit of others. Man, that's a mouthful. It really is because sometimes that's really, really hard for us to do. Because it's those others we have a problem with. <laughs> it's those others. we. Uh, but this is what this is about. And that's what Jesus did. So think about this. When Jesus left heaven, how many perfect people were on the earth? So we were a bunch of others and Jesus left heaven to do what? Come and serve us, come and save us. So we were the others in that particular instant. So now that Christ lives in us and wants to live through us, then that system does not change. We are still in the business of serving the others. But you know, I don't like those others. Well, I mean, if Jesus chose that line, you know, when he went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray, he could have just said, you know what? This is too tough. Daddy, I'm coming back home. Let's send somebody else. No, he submitted himself to the will of his father. We are to submit our will to him. Let's, let's crash into this thing and let's have some fun. Are y'all ready? 
Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to begin to read at verse number 33. This is in the Amplified Translation. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And it reads like this. It says, they arrived at Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing and arguing about on the road? Now, the verses before here will tell the story of how James and John were kind of maneuvering themselves to get in position in what they thought was going to be the physical coming kingdom. They thought Christ was going to take over all of Rome, all of Jerusalem, and they wanted to have a particular spot in his ministry. Well, the disciples are arguing about this particular matter as they're coming into Capernaum. So Jesus says, but they kept quiet because on the road they had discussed and debated with one another, which one of them was the greatest. Ever had that discussion before? See, most of us have that discussion in our heads, not with our mouths. (laughs) We make that we make that comparison in our heads. We don't want anybody to know that we think we're better than them or greater than them. So we usually have that discussion in our heads. But but they kept quiet because on the road they had discussed and debated with one another which one of them was the greatest. Sitting down to teach, he called the twelve disciples and said to him, said to them, If anyone wants to be first. We got to make sure we read this. This is our B-I-B-L-E. If anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all. Last in importance and a what? Servant of all. So if you want to be first, God says you got to be last. Now, I didn't learn that math in school. I didn't learn that in school. If you wanted to be first, you're supposed to outrun everybody else. If you wanted to be first, you had to outlift everybody else. Y'all following me? Isn't this how it was for us in school? But here's God saying, now think about this. If I'm on the track team and and I'm doing the 100-yard dash and the guy shoots off the gun, go. And I just stand there and let everybody else go. And then I walk down the track picking up whatever they may have dropped, uh, their numbers or their paper or anything. I'm serving them. So when we get to the end, they would give me the trophy. No, that's not the way it works in the world. But in the kingdom of God, we follow the example that Christ gave us. We serve others. And the other important part is we make them more important than us. We really need to chew on this because this is the body of Christ. This is what's missing in this stew of restoration that's happening in the world. We, the body of Christ, must lead in this particular fashion. Listen to me. I've been at a foot washing event where a group of pastors got together and we washed each other's feet. A very physical, very powerful event. But it didn't mean anything because once they dried my feet or I dried their feet, if I still thought I was better than them, it didn't mean a thing. They had clean feet. But I had the same mindset. Are y'all understanding this today? We need to understand how do you serve the others? How do you make people more important than you? 
Well, let's follow Jesus again. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin to read at verse number 41 because we have this example from Jesus. This is going to be in the message translation. Mark chapter 10. It says, when the other 10 heard of this conversation, they lost their tempers with James and John. Jesus got them together to settle things down. The disciples kind of, you know, sometimes they got along. And sometimes they didn't. Doesn't that sound like church today? <laughs> they kind of had a couple problems with each other. And, and again, it's about this importance. It's about maneuvering themselves sometimes to be seen as the closest one or the right one or the best one, whatever. But Jesus is going to deal with this in a very effective way. He says, you observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. These are the rulers that they know from Rome. He said, and when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. I'm going to stop there for a second. I learned a long time ago as a young preacher, the man told me, if you ever really want to know what's in somebody, give them a lot of money and a little power. And then whatever's really in them is going to come out. Same thing in this particular instance. So my question to you today, if you have not been transformed by the renewing of your mind, this progressive transformation, what's really in you? What is it that you really want? Because I need us to understand this. There is no benefit in faking like you love somebody. There's no benefit in faking like you care for somebody. Each and every one of us knows that when we go to a restaurant, we know when we have a good waiter versus somebody who's just at work. Somebody say amen. We know that and it's the same with us as people. So what am I saying? What does Jesus say? Jesus wants us to be authentic. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be open in our ability to serve others. Let me finish reading this. It says, whoever wants to be the be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Boy, that's a word we don't want to hear, isn't it? Slave. That means that you have no rights whatsoever. You have no, no ability to make decisions whatsoever. So that means whatever these brothers that you are serving or these sisters, you are to serve them. Man, I know that doesn't taste well in our mouths today because we're not about that right now. What we're about is my right. I have my right. I'm exercising my right. I need you to exercise your right to become a servant. I need you to exercise your right to become a slave for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ and the others. That you will serve the others. So let's finish. It says, that is what the son of man has done. Again, his perfect example. That is what the son of man has done. He came to what? Serve. Not to be served. And then to give away his life. In exchange for many who are held hostage. He Gave his physical life. And I don't want you to miss this. He also gave his spiritual positioning with the father. 
Because on the cross, he said, why, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he knew he had taken on the sins of the world and the sins and God could not be in the same place. So he sacrificed his life physically, but he also sacrificed the relationship he had with the father for you and I. See, right now, we sometimes run in a circle of friends who have some really nasty sometimes attitudes and ideas and concepts about things. But we won't sacrifice that knowing that it's wrong, knowing that that is not how we serve others. We won't sacrifice that because we don't want to lose a friendship. We're talking about Jesus, who had been with his father from the creation of the world. They had never, ever, ever, ever been separated. We're talking about Jesus, who was God, who gave up his Godhead to do this for us. So what do we do? We get mad if we get asked to go, hey, we need somebody to go stand in the hall and direct movement. What are you telling me for? You should get somebody else out there to direct movement. I, I'm not going out there. Or better yet, ready Tuesday church? We need you not to leave the auditorium before the last song is sung. <laughs> I better leave that alone. I might get hurt. <laughs> I might get hurt. I better leave that alone. But again, how are you, how are you willing to give up something? I'm going to make this quick. I, I'm a football fanatic. I love sports. I mean, it, I mean, I watch anything but cornhole throwing. I don't know why in heaven's name they tried to turn that into a sport. Got no idea. If one of you is the cornhole throwing champion, I'm sorry. I stepped on your toes. But I love sports. So when I'm at home watching sports, I used to try to listen to my wife talk. At the same time that I was watching the TV and following the sporting event. Until one day she told me, you don't listen to me. And guess what? She was right. I was trying to listen to the announcer. I was trying to follow whatever they were saying. But guess what? There comes this point where you have to make a change. You have to make a sacrifice. The second mouth, and she could bear witness to this. The second time, the, the soon as she opens her mouth, sound goes off on TV. If the sentence is long, the, P, the TV go off. I'm paying attention to what this woman says. Not out of fear, but I am to serve her like Christ served the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave his life. I'm just trying to tell you, we have to do this because we become the example to the world. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Again, message translation, and it reads like this. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Man, oh man. Ooh, can, can you imagine? Can you imagine what that is like? I pulled over the other day on the road. And it looked like somebody had broken down. So I pulled over. I didn't want to. 
But there was something in me that said, you need to pull over. So I did. Now, here's the, the good part. When I did pull over to ask this person if they needed some assistance, they said, hey, really, thank you for that. But my brother is coming. He'll be here in a minute, and he's a mechanic. I said, it's good, because if you needed some mechanical help, I'm the wrong guy. For that. <laughs> I'll pray over your parts, but I don't think that's going to help you much. He laughed. We shook hands. I got back in the car. It would have been very easy to have just blown by this guy. So my question to you today, how many people have you blown by? Because they are the others. How many people have you not given not one moment, not one thought to? Because they are the others. Jesus set an example for us. So if we don't follow his example, how then do we call ourselves his body? Because your body follows your head. Because if it didn't, you'd call 911, right? So your body follows your head. So then we, as the body of Christ, should follow our head. Let's, let's read this again. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. I'm going to get deep here for a second. Some of us have got to let our status go, our perceived status. We are no better than anybody else. I said we are no better than anybody else. The word of God says that we all fall short of the glory of God. Didn't say some fell shorter than others. What status do we think we have? What kind of right do we think we have that denies us or stops us from sacrificing that status to help somebody else? What actually do you lose? The Bible says if you make yourself last, then he will make you first. If you serve your brothers and your sisters, he will make you great. This is the rule in the kingdom of God. The rule in the world is exactly opposite. That's the problem we have had. We have let the world leak into the kingdom. And we've let the principles of the world begin to try to guide the principles of the kingdom. In the kingdom, everything is opposite than what it is in the world. What is your status? And how important is it that you may not be willing to give it up as a servant to others? Something to chew on. It says, not at all. When the time came, he set aside. He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. So let's, let's look at that journey. From God, from heaven, from complete power and authority, to flesh, to die for knuckleheads like us. (laughs) He took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. 
It was an incredibly humbling process from heaven to flesh to earth to give his life away for people who were yet his enemies. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? On the third day, (laughs) he got up with all power and authority in his hands. So he fulfilled the road trip that God had laid out for him to sacrifice his deity, to give up his status, to become a slave to people who were his enemies. And he left that roadmap to us so we would give up what we think is our status, our positioning, so we can serve other people. God doesn't forget the reason for his roadmap or the reward that goes with his roadmap. Almost done. Romans chapter 12. Make this quick. Romans chapter 12. Beginning at verse 9. It says, great instruction. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Oh, man, I love this stuff. Oh, I love this stuff. Why? Had somebody refer to me as, hey, brother, man, love you, brother. And then they walked away. And they were no more than 20 feet from me with their back turned to me. And I happened to be walking in the same direction. And they said something to another person about me. That wasn't very kind. Now I wanted to stop. But see I'm a human being too. You know what I mean? And I thought about the newspaper clipping. That would say. Pastor Acosta. Man at church. Left his eyeballs on the hallway floor. Wouldn't look good in the newspaper. So I figured maybe. I'll just let that go. But listen to me. God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't expect us to be perfect, so I don't expect anybody else to be perfect. But I expect us to be better. I expect us to continue to progressively be transformed, to become better people. It does him no good to slander me. What is it that I have that God has not already provided for him as well? Is this making sense to anybody? Praise the Lord. Almost there. It says love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice (laughs) playing second fiddle. The scripture says practice. Why? Because playing second fiddle is not something that's normal to us. It just isn't. I had a friend when we were in, uh, in law enforcement and he was prior military as well. And we were having a discussion one day in the cafeteria about jumping out of airplanes, parachuting out of airplanes. And we were talking about the levels of feet that we had jumped out of airplanes and stuff like that. This guy could never play second fiddle to anybody ever. 
I don't care what you did. If you'd have told him, hey, I jumped out of an airplane at 10,000 feet without a parachute. He'd have said, I jumped out of an airplane at 20,000 feet without a parachute and no goggles. (laughs) I mean, he just never knew how to play second fiddle because there was something messed up inside of him that if he thought I played second fiddle, I would be less than. But God is saying, if you play second fiddle to people, I'll make you greater than. Is anybody understanding me today? So the road to greatness is through being a servant. The road through greatness is being a slave, but not faking it. It's about loving deeply, about caring enough for people that you give your life away. We're almost there. It says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit, Mm, Jesus, in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Uh Uh-oh, somebody better grab your seat. It says, bless your enemies. Ooh-wee. Here's where Satan is really quick. He's good at this. Satan has designed an atmosphere right now that if somebody doesn't even spell the same word to say the way you spell it, they become an enemy. If they walk different than you, they become an enemy. If they like blue more than red, they become an enemy. If they like red more than blue, they become... Listen to me. I need us to understand it. If they like a donkey more than an elephant, they have become an enemy. We have lost our minds. But then the word of God says to do what? Bless your enemy. Because if you spend some time talking to your enemy, you may find out that the common thread through all of us is Jesus Christ. I said the common thread through all of us is Jesus Christ. Some of y'all are at home right now getting ready to throw your coffee cup at the TV. But I'm telling you the truth, man. So if Jesus did that, don't ever forget why Jesus came and what he did. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. (laughs) Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Here's a secret. Ready? You make friends with nobodies because you are nobody too. It's when you think that you are not the nobody, you're in trouble. So make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. (laughs) Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. So that means you may have to look a little deeper when you talk to people. You may have to look past some superficial concepts and ideas to see the real person. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, excuse me, if you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Now, I know we may not have it in us right now, but the progressive growth for us as Christians is that we get better at this. 
Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, uh oh, go buy that person lunch. <laughs> or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. This is a pillar of the church, of the body of Christ. What is it? Change. See the world as Christ sees the world. Oh my God, Jesus, you know, if you take the time to think about the world like you do and say, if Jesus thought that way, he'd have never came. What for? So I'm asking you today, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we bring this to a close, be a slave, be a servant. Give your life away for the glory of God, but also for your benefit. Because those who are last will become first. But the flip side, those who think they're first will become last. God bless you. Have a great day. Looking forward to actually seeing you in the flesh next Tuesday, October 5th at 1030. God bless.